This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is the news from the Lord. Hello, America. This is Jeffrey Lord with another episode of the Did He Really Just Say That episode of The Word of the Lord. Let's talk Facebook and the latest cancel culture censorship of anything Trump. But first, by now you've all heard me talk about my pillow, and now Mike has done it again by introducing his new my slippers. Mike has taken over two years to develop them. He's designed them to wear indoor, outdoor, all day long. They're made with MyPillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue, and they are made with quality leather suede. Now, I got to tell you, I used to be uh, a topsider guy and wear them all the time. No more. I wear Mike's slippers all day long around the house. They are just fabulous. And for a limited time, Mike is offering 40% off his new My Slippers. The My Slippers are so comfortable, as I can attest, that you will want to get some for the whole family. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener Square and use promo code JEFF or call 800-606-1043. And thank you, because you will love them, I'm telling you. Okay, now, here is the headline from Fox News. Facebook removes video of Trump interview with daughter-in-law Laura Trump. Facebook permanently banned the former president in January after the Capitol riot. That's the headline. Um, Laura Trump, by the way, uh, also called this Orwellian, and she's right. The Fox story reports this, quote, Facebook removed a video of an interview with former President Trump conducted by his daughter-in-law, Laura Trump, saying any content, quote, in the voice of Donald Trump, unquote, would be scrubbed from the social media platform. Facebook permanently banned the former president from their platform in January after the Capitol riot. On Tuesday, Laura Trump, a Fox News contributor, posted an image on Instagram of her sitting across from her father-in-law, urging followers to Join us tonight, quote-unquote. In response to Laura's posting, a Facebook employee named Caitlin, Caitlin who? They don't really want to say, do they? Isn't that interesting? Posted this message. Hi, folks. We are reaching out to let you know that we removed content from Laura Trump's Facebook page that featured President Trump speaking. The Facebook employee wrote, that would be Caitlin to remind again, in line with the block we placed on Donald Trump's Facebook and Instagram accounts, further content posted in the voice of Donald Trump will be removed and result in additional limitations on the accounts, unquote. Hmm. First of all, then-President Trump has no responsibility for the Capitol riot, as they're trying to imply. He gave a speech on the White House ellipse and urged his supporters to protest their right as Americans, and I'm quoting him directly to protest peacefully and patriotically, quote, unquote. 
That is decidedly not a call to riot. At the time of the original Trump ban in January, Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg said this, quote, The shocking events of the last 24 hours clearly demonstrate that President Donald Trump intends to use his remaining time in office to undermine the peaceful and lawful transition of power to his elected successor, Joe Biden. We are extending the block we have placed on his Facebook and Instagram accounts indefinitely and for at least the next two weeks until the peaceful transition of power is complete, unquote. Uh, Hello. It is now April, Mark Zuckerberg, four months later. Donald Trump did nothing, say again, nothing to, quote, undermine the peaceful and lawful transition of power to his elected successor, Joe Biden, unquote. In case you haven't noticed, Mark, Joe Biden was inaugurated on January 20th and is in the White House. Donald Trump is in Florida. So let's be blunt, shall we? Facebook is simply making it up as it goes along, because it is run by left-wingers who hate the former president. And most of all, they hate the 75 million Americans who voted for him. But let's take Facebook's criteria, that President Trump incited the Capitol riot, and take a tour through American history. Let's imagine that Facebook existed in the long ago and far away, and let's see just what would have been banned by Facebook, and who would have been banned by Facebook for inciting riots. Let's start in the 1960s. One of the most nationally prominent Americans of the day was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Dr. King, today an American hero whose January birthday is quite rightly celebrated as a national holiday, was in fact a very, very controversial figure in the 1960s. He was an unapologetic supporter of nonviolence, but he was nevertheless the central figure in the American civil rights movement and the loud demand for civil rights and an end to the Democratic Party's long insistence on segregation and Jim Crow laws was not always peaceful. Let's imagine that Facebook existed in the 1960s and Dr. King was on Facebook. With that in mind, let's take a look at what the current encyclopedia.com says was happening as Dr. King repeatedly led protests in various cities across the country. Here's what we learn. Quote, the 1960s saw the most serious and widespread series of race riots in the history of the United States. Major riots occurred in Birmingham, Alabama in 1963, New York City in 1964, Watts in Los Angeles, California in 1965, and Chicago, Illinois in 1966. In 1967 alone, Tampa, Florida, Cincinnati, Ohio, Atlanta, Georgia, Newark, Plainfield, and New Brunswick, New Jersey, and Detroit, Michigan all had riots. Unquote. The encyclopedia goes on, specifying some of the riots in detail. Let's go through a couple. The Harlem riots of 1964. The first major riot in the decade occurred in Harlem and several other African-American neighborhoods of New York City. On July 16, 1964, an off-duty police officer shot and killed a 15-year-old African-American boy in Manhattan. That night, there was a peaceful student protest march in Harlem. Two days later, the Congress of Racial Equality, CORE, a nonviolent African-American civil rights organization, sponsored a protest march and rally to protest police brutality in Harlem. After the rally, a militant, aggressive, or warlike, depending on how you want to say it, says this uh, entry, crowd marched to the Harlem Police Precinct building. Minor fights began between demonstrators and police, and 16 African-American leaders were arrested and brought into the police station. 
Demonstrators reported that the arrested protests were being beaten and that their cries could be heard outside. Soon more fighting broke out between police and demonstrators. By 10.30 p.m., a riot had begun, with youths pelting police with rocks and Molotov cocktails, which are crude homemade bombs made of breakable bottles or jars filled with gas or any flammable liquid, usually lit with a rag wick and then thrown at the target. The police responded by shooting over protesters' heads. The rebellion continued for four nights and spread to Brooklyn's Bedford-Stuyvesant neighborhood, where there was further rioting during the next two nights. White-owned businesses were vandalized and burned by arsonists. Whites entering Harlem unguarded were beaten. Corps Chairman James Farmer organized squads from Corps chapters and walked through Harlem streets urging an end to the violence. The crowd ignored him, and the black militants jeered him. The uprising finally ceased on July 23rd. But even as New York City calmed down, rioting broke out in Rochester, New York, and three cities in New Jersey. The violence left one man dead, 144 people injured, and 519 arrested, although the conflict seems minor when compared to the urban riots that were to come. It was the first major outbreak of urban violence in a generation. Next up was the Watts Riot in Los Angeles. The riot began in August of 1965. Riders smashed the windows of local stores and made off with the merchandise. Burn, baby, burn, the mob shouted as over 70 stores were burned to the neighborhood, to the ground. When it was over, with the National Guard patrolling a 50-square-mile area of Los Angeles, there were 34 dead, most of them participants in the riot, and more than 1,000 were injured. 600 buildings were damaged, a third of them totally destroyed. Property damage was estimated at $40 million, unquote. Now, stop right there. Had Facebook existed, using its criteria as applied to Donald Trump, surely they would have banned Dr. King and his associates from Facebook and Instagram, and oh yes, Twitter, had that too existed. After all, these riots, and there were more to come in other cities, all followed on the heels of Dr. King's marches, speeches, and protests for civil rights, nonviolent protests, I might add. Also in the 1960s was the Vietnam War. It was perhaps America's most controversial war, and there was a very large and very loud anti-war movement. In August of 1968, as the Democratic Convention gathered in Chicago to nominate then-Vice President Hubert Humphrey, two of the most outspoken anti-war leaders were Minnesota Democratic Senator Eugene McCarthy and South Dakota Democratic Senator George McGovern. Both of them had challenged Humphrey in the primaries, McGovern getting in after the assassination of the also anti-war Senator Robert Kennedy. There were an army of McCarthy, McGovern, and anti-war protesters descending on Chicago for the convention. On the other side of the issue was Chicago's Democratic Mayor Richard Daley and the Chicago police. Here's but one description from Wikipedia of what happened during but one night of the convention as television cameras rolled both inside and outside the convention hall. August 28th, the Battle for Michigan Avenue. Protesters were joined on 28 August by the Poor People's Campaign, now led by the Southern Christian Leadership Conference's Ralph Abernathy, the successor to the assassinated Dr. Martin Luther King. This group had a permit and was split off from other demonstrators before being allowed to proceed to the amphitheater. The Battle of Michigan Avenue, described by Neil Steinberg of the Chicago Sun-Times as, quote, a 17-minute melee in front of the Conrad Hilton Hotel, unquote, 
was broadcast on television, along with footage from the floor of the convention. The police violence in response to the protesters extended to the protesters, bystanders, reporters, and photographers, while tear gas reached Hubert Humphrey in his hotel suite. Police pushed protesters through plate glass windows, then pursued them outside, inside and beat them as they sprawled on the broken glass. 100 protesters and 119 police officers were treated for injuries, and 600 protesters were arrested. Television cameras recorded the police brutality while the demonstrators chanted, The whole world is watching, and Humphrey won the presidential nomination that night. Meanwhile, on the convention floor, several delegates made statements against Mayor Daley and the Chicago Police Department like Connecticut Senator Abraham Ribicoff, a McGovern supporter, who denounced the use of, quote, Gestapo, Gestapo tactics on the streets of Chicago, unquote, in his speech nominating George McGovern. The hard line taken by the city was also seen on the convention floor itself. In 1968, writer Terry Southern described the convention hall as, quote, exactly like approaching a military installation, barbed wire, checkpoints, the whole bit, unquote. Inside the convention, journalists such as CBS's Mike Wallace and Dan Rather were roughed up by security. Both of these events were broadcast live on television, unquote. Now again, let's add Facebook into this situation. Clearly, both the anti-war senators and the pro-war Chicago mayor would all have had their accounts suspended. Using the Facebook criteria, criteria it would be obvious that the anti-war forces were not merely inciting a riot, they were the rioters themselves. So too for the Chicago police. The point is quite simple. By applying the Facebook standards <clears throat> to previous violent moments in American history, all manner of notable Americans would have had their Facebook accounts blocked and banned, just like Donald Trump today. No more Dr. King, no more protests for civil rights leaders and anti-Vietnam War leaders. Going back further in history, Facebook surely would have banned Abraham Lincoln. It was, after all, Lincoln's very presence as the newly elected president that caused 11 states to secede and launch the Civil War, a war that, according to historians, killed over 600,000 Americans. Talk about an incitement to violence. Let's get real here. What Facebook and big tech are all really about, about is shutting down any dissent to the left-wing view of the world and they will use any totalitarian tactic they can enforce to shut that down, to, to enforce that shutdown. No one better understands this than, of course, Donald Trump himself, which is exactly why the former president is patiently at work setting up his own social media network, which will doubtless be the antidote to the tyrants of tech. So, stay tuned. This is Jeffrey Lord signing off on another edition of the Word of the Lord podcast. And don't forget to stop and visit me at my The Jeffrey Lord website. See you next time.